Welcome to The Gathering Pod, the audio version of my weekly gathering room broadcast. I'm Martha Beck. This episode is called The Light at the End of the Tunnel. And the reason I say this is because I've been doing some research on fear. I had to write a little article on mental health and books, and it got me started, and I am now very, very into this topic, and it's a very topical topic, and I will tell you for why. It is topical because anxiety disorders are the top problem, the top mental health problem for people around the world, and this particular issue is mushrooming. In 2019, at the start of 2019, about 10 million people in America, the United States, um, were diagnosed with anxiety disorders. In 2020, and this may not surprise you, it was 40 million, up 400%, 40 million people diagnosed with anxiety disorders. And that means, let me just tell you what it means. It means you wake up in the morning with a sick dread in your soul and you don't even know why. And you know, you open the curtain and it's like, ah, the world is terrifying. And then you go to, into the bathroom and ah, the water is terrifying. Everything's terrifying. And it, it sounds like something you could just calm down from but that's why they call it a disorder. You really can't. <laughs> you can't just bring it down because your brain is stuck on scared. And I do think that the pandemic made it much, much worse, but it's not just that. It's the fact that we're all getting so much information and news from so many sources. It was all the, the rifts in our society that were made more obvious by the pandemic and the situation of just being in our houses. Um, and it's just continuing to go up. So when, was it Harry Truman who said the only thing we have to fear, or Delano, FDR, Franklin Delano Roosevelt said the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. That's absolutely true. When we are in a state of mental health and mental balance, we feel calm unless there is physical danger present, and then we still feel calm. I've been reading, um, I, I talked a little while ago about the book, The Gift of Fear by Gavin DeBecker, which I think everyone should read. It's about um, how genuine fear is a calm impetus to action and anxiety or worry is a mental rumination that is initially based on fear or the thought of something dangerous, but it actually isn't a response to something dangerous. It's not a response to something that's even present. It's in the mind and it gets the brain caught in this loop of um, thinking there's something to be afraid of, then scaring ourselves, then the feeling of being scared, making us go back to our brains and say, oh, well, there must be a reason. And we go looking for the reasons and there are tons. They're everywhere. So these anxiety disorders that get us caught in a fear loop are, seem to be just mushrooming all over the world. And when you're in there, it feels like you're in a dark tunnel. And I know many of you have put up comments that said, you know, sometimes multiple times, I feel intense anxiety and I can't seem to get over it. How do I get past this? And I talk and I talk and I talk about it, um, but we're still stuck in it. And last time I talked about the amygdala and how you can get um, into a part of the brain that isn't even verbal and you can start fixing the problem there. But as I have read more, I have found something interesting. There is absolutely light at the end of the tunnel. 
If you are feeling afraid of the world, if you are feeling depressed, if you're feeling uh, hopeless, if you just are feeling bad, there is very definitely light at the end of the tunnel. But here's the thing. The tunnel doesn't exist until we dig it. We have to, we're the ones tunneling through our own brains. And so the light at the end of the tunnel, here's the thing about it. The more you're working on it, and I know many of you are, the closer you get to the light. But when you have one inch of rock to still tunnel through before you get to the light, it's still pitch dark. So, and then you punch through, boom, and poof, it's a huge bolt of light. Even if it's just a tiny pinprick, it comes into that darkness and it's huge. And then it's, from then on, it's easy, right? It's like Dante in the Inferno. He goes and he goes and he goes. When he finally punches through his deepest fears, the way out of the Inferno is just like, whoop, then we came out and there were the stars and everything was fine. So I was talking to, you know, my brain consultant that I now go to every single week or two. Um, and I said, can can the brain teach itself to be unafraid or can it come to perceive the world as benevolent slowly? So the biggest psychological study ever done was concluded in 2019. They, they analyzed over 2 billion tweets, among many other things, to see how people view the world. And they, they were these two camps. And one saw the world as fundamentally alive and joyful and full of beauty and safe. The other sees the world as mechanistic, impossible to change, dark, depressing. Ooh, uh. And Jill would say the left side of the brain is the depressing one and the right side of the brain is the fun one. Business on the left, party on the right. And I said to her, can you go slowly from left brain to right brain? And she said, this was just this morning. She said, nope, you gotta go boom. And I was like, okay, what does that mean? And she's like, well, when the truth switches, it's like you, you put on the dark glasses or you put on the rose-colored glasses, there's this sudden switch. And there's no gradual incursion from dark to light. It is like that dark tunnel that you, pun you punch through and you punch through and you do your work and you read self-help and you do the things and bam. When, it, when you shift your energy from the left to the right side of the brain, suddenly the light is all around you. And there's no problem with trying to believe in it at that point. Um, one of the things, and I love that Jill doesn't know anything about the Asian philosophy that I've been reading for 30 years, or for that matter, the medieval philosophy that comes from the Christian mystics or the Sufi mystics or any mystics anywhere, shamans, people of... Um, of deep thoughts and spiritual inclinations throughout the ages have said this, that you work and you work and you work. Uh, John of the Cross said, you work and you work in the dark night of the soul. And it empties you out of everything because you have to be completely empty when you punch through to this light that is beyond any light and it floods you. The Asian mystics say the same thing. You meditate and meditate and meditate until satori, you know, boom, you have this little explosion of perception in your brain and suddenly the world is very, very different. So Jill is telling me, describing for me in neuroanatomical detail, everything that these mystics have been saying for many, many, many centuries. So this is what I wanted to t tell you today. 
whatever you're doing, it's like Churchill said, if you're in hell, if you're going through hell, keep going. Like, I know there are a lot of you out there who've written in questions and things. Oh, Anne Ramsey says, this is Hobbes versus Locke. Yes, if you want your enlightenment philosophers, there it is in a nutshell. Thank you, Anne. But um, whatever you've been doing to go through hell, if it makes you feel even the slightest bit more hopeful or have the slightest bit more faith, dig in and keep going on hope, on faith. But don't expect the way to be lit until you punch through. So this is, if you're in the dark, this is the most horrible thing because you don't know how far you have to go. Do you remember when they used to have outward bound things you could put yourself in um, to like toughen you up or help yourself realize or whatever? And they would take you out. I never went online, but I had friends who did. They'd take people out and they'd take them to into the wilderness with no food, no water or anything. And they'd say, you have to make this trek and you have to get through all this difficult terrain in the desert or the forest. And they would not tell the people how long the trek was. They would tell them, in fact, that they were going over to that mountaintop. And when they got there, they would say, great, you, you finished stage one. Now we're going down to that river and they'd have to like start all over again. Supposedly this toughened people up. I think it just maybe it just um, appealed to the masochistic among us. But on the other hand, life does feel like that when you're in the dark night of the soul. The good news is that when you, when you are in the darkness, the part of you that keeps digging isn't your conscious mind. Not necessarily. You can, you can do things that bring your conscious mind on board. I love reading things by people who've been into the boom. If their brains have gone boom, they describe it from the other side. Like Nisargadatta Maharaj says, look, you can, it's like a, it's like an apple that ripens and ripens and then it falls off the tree one day and it's just a completely different scenario. Dante, same thing. He treks through the inferno, then he treks up purgatory and then he gets to paradise and it's just like, all the laws of physics change. He's rising into the air. He's seeing light everywhere. There are beings of light around him. And I don't think he was really writing fiction at that point. I think the dude had a Satori like any great mystic. But the, my point is that it is the part of the brain that is subconscious that is actually doing the digging. So your job is to take the frightened little talking self that is the you of your ego, the part of you that is that thinks in words. And your job is to calm that down by talking to it in the language of people who have gone boom. And fortunately, they frequently wrote down what they experienced. So I, I've had the experience of going boom a little bit and um, I've talked ad nauseum about the, the white light experience I had when I was 29 years old. I, I've been through some dark nights of the soul since then, but that one experience literally never went away. Like it always, memories of, of experiences like that don't fade. So even though it was 30 years ago, it's right there next to me. This painting is, as I told you once, a representation for me of this light that is not only a memory of something that happened to me when I was 29, but it is something I experience all the time. And life gets really hard, but that light is still there and it's just not as hard. Something went boom. So 
take comfort in the experiences of other people and then here's the key relax and trust that the parts of your brain that are too sophisticated for you to ever run on purpose the parts that run by themselves like a supercomputer are working on the problem they are working to get you there because your whole system i love the neurologist andrew newberg because he said after his own 40 years of research this boom is not only possible for all of us but our brain structure is designed for it and it's designed to seek that experience on its own if that's not a miracle i don't know what is somehow an experience that can't be very common in the animal kingdom has been encoded into our biology. Our brains without our conscious effort are digging, digging, digging through the hopelessness, the despair, the mechanistic way of looking at the world into the primal worldview that is safe, enticing, and alive. And millions of people have had this boom experience. That's what they found out in that massive study. So if you have had a boom experience, if you've seen the light, go back to that. Remind yourself of it often. Remind yourself that it's still there. Feel it. It'll be right there ready for you. If you haven't, if you feel like you're really in the darkness or if you can't remember an experience of joy because everything caved in again, just believe that you are already tunneling and that one day when you are still just as benighted as ever when it seems as dark as ever <clears throat> boom you're going to find discover be bathed in the light at the end of that tunnel and actually the anxiety that so many people feel is pushing them pushing all of us toward that experience so um i am going to go to some of your questions now Hello, the lovely peoples. This is Marty, Martha, inviting you to a free masterclass that I have made called Five Paths to Your Purpose. Probably the most common question I get from people is, how do I find my purpose? Why don't I feel that I'm on purpose? Well, it turns out there are certain things you have to do to find your purpose, and I broke them down into five, and I made a little masterclass about it. So if you'd like to see it, just go to marthabeck.com slash purpose and you will be able to watch it without any charge at all. So Kira says, nothing excites me more than when science proves the mystics correct. Woo! Represent! I know, me too. I just love it. And it's doing it more and more. And you know what I love? I'll tell you what is fun about my life is that I... I have occasion to run across these people, to actually encounter some of the people that, whose books I've read, um, scientists uh, and mystics alike, and I get to hear from them what happened when, with their scientific minds, they tunneled to a place where the mystery was the only place left to go and their brains went boom. There are so many ways to get to it. You can get through it, to it through science. You can get to it through um, the dark night of the soul like John of the Cross. You can get to it by meditating. There are all kinds of ways through the tunnel, but the light is always the same. So Jen says, is this a one-way thing? Can you go boom and then go backwards? 
yes, you can go bloom and go backwards. I actually think, sorry for all of you who are fans of the biblical St. Paul, because he had that boom on the road to Damascus, right? He was like, oh, now I see any change to Christianity and everything. But then he proceeded to say a lot of things that were not, that you just don't hear from people who stay enlightened. <laughs> um, things about slaves obeying their masters and so on. Women not ever speaking, stuff like that. Um, he went back to being a typical, he had a typical brain after that light hit him. Now, I asked Byron Katie, one of my favorite spiritual masters, who had one hell of a boom experience, like probably more light pouring through that woman than anyone else I've ever met. After this experience, which happened on its own while she was asleep, after years of anguish, after it happened, the people in Barstow, California, where she lived, called her the lit lady. The light was shining so brightly through her. Um, but I asked her once, if you weren't constantly asking yourself if, if your thoughts are true, if you weren't examining your thoughts every day, would you have retained this luminous vision of the world? And she said, no, you have to do the work. She said, my brain now does it automatically, but you have to continuously scrutinize your thinking for those sneaky bits of um, the, the dim worldview, the dark, impossible to move, mechanistic worldview. It'll crawl back in if you let it. Jill is another person who says, I could have gone back into fear. I had lived, she lived much of her childhood in fear um, because of situations in her family, not her parents. But um, she said, no, I just chose not to do that. I keep cleaning it out. I won't go there. So there is a certain amount of tidying one has to do. It's very different from before you've actually punched through for the first time. Once you go boom, you can't forget it, but you can let things kind of encroach again and you have to, oh, right, I got to remind myself. And the more consistently you tidy up your mind, the more joy um, surrounds you. So it does us well to tidy. So Damara says, oh, wait, wait, wait. We First we've got Era Summers, Aram Summers. Can you get little glimpses of that light or are those not the real deal? Um, you can kind of imagine it when other people describe it. And I think we all have some ancient primordial memory of it. But once you've experienced it, it's kind of like, gosh, I don't want to say this in public, but it's like if you ask a woman if she's ever experienced a sexual fulfilling event, and she says, well, let me think. I, I think maybe, no, the answer is no. Like you've either experienced an orgasm or you haven't. And this light thing is kind of like that. Like once it's happened, you know it's happened. And you're like, oh, okay, this is what they were talking about. Got it. And even if you then go back into a kind of glumness, you're like, oh, I want that back. I'm going to do whatever it takes to find my way back to the boom experience, which I have now unalterably sexualized for every single person listening to this. But why not? This is a sex positive broadcast. Okay, so Damara says, besides Jill or Katie or Eckhart Tolle, what are examples of people who punch through beside yourself who didn't have some crazy brain breakdown? Would love to read about more booms to keep me motivated. Okay, yes. Um, you could read the Buddha. <laughs> 
He had a major boom. Jesus also. Um, let's see. Shakespeare. If you read all the plays, he goes down into the darkness with the four tragedies and then clearly has a boom experience and comes out in the romances at the end of his career, right before he died. Um, you can read about it in Walt Whitman's Song of Myself because he seems to have had that experience to be, he says, both in and out of the game and watching and wondering at it. And, and, and his beautiful, the leaves of grass, a lot of his poetry is really illuminated by that very light. John of the Cross, I mentioned, um, his, he was so mystical and he had so many transcendent experiences that his brother monks in medieval Spain got really uh, jealous and they, they dug a coffin-shaped pit in the ground and put him in it and then put a grate over it so that he would suffer. And then he just really started having mystical experiences. And he was the dark knight of the soul guy. And boy, his circumstances were not good, but he did it. I believe maybe Nelson Mandela had something like that happen um, because of the way he came out of those 27 years at Robben Island. So pure and so resonant. Um, I, don't, I don't know if he was enlightened, but damn, he was something. Uh, who else recently? Uh, and Asargadatta Maharaj, read the book, I Am That. He's very descriptive of this stuff. And then if you want, oh, 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 uh, there's a book called In Love with the World by a Tibetan monk named Yonge Mingge, uh, no, Yonge Mingge Rinpoche. And he had a big boom when he had a near-death experience in, in a, a, actually the place where the Buddha died. He went to meditate and he got sick and he died too in the same place. And a tourist scooped him up and took him to a hospital. But in the meantime, he, he be, was visiting the place of light and he became illuminated. And reading, to me, reading people like Nisargadatta or Yonge Minger or, um, or Whitman or any of them, it fills me with the energy of the light they saw. So when I have little cave-ins and I can't see the light as clearly, I don't even think about reading their words. I just read them and let the energy do its work on my subconscious. Um, uh, Deepak Chopra said to me, Nisargadatta is a person where if you read the, his um, discourses, it's a big book called I Am That, it automatically starts tuning you to that light. And even though you won't see the huge boom yet, the digging is so much easier and it goes on more rapidly in your subconscious. So Jessica says, can we do anything to block the opening of the light or is it going to happen whether we thrash about or not? I wonder if this old law of attraction theory has confused us a bit into blaming ourselves when we're having a hard time. Yeah, the law of attraction, let me tell you something. Our thoughts are powerful, but negative thoughts are very weak. And the thoughts we have that are full of light are very strong. So it's, and what I always say, and I'll say it again, is you could bring a, a dim candle, an unlit candle into a sunlit room and it would not make the room dark. The, the unlit candle's darkness can't affect the brightness of that sun. But if you bring a tiny candle into a dark room, it can start to light the whole thing. So your energy, anytime you yearn toward joy, you yearn toward freedom or light, uh, freedom of the spirit, that's a very powerful signal going out. Even if you're a, just a, a new age law of attraction, you know, that if that's your entire religion, I'll go there with you. 
but I don't believe that any negative thoughts have nearly the power of positive thoughts. And, you know, if Newberg is right, it's going to happen to all of us whether we try or not. That said, everyone I just named and and I and everyone I know who has even had a boom experience and then, you know, m moved on, um, every single one of us desperately, desperately wants it. And if you desperately, when I say us, I'm talking about you guys too. Um, if you don't desperately want it, maybe you don't get it. I don't know. The only people I know who've experienced it wanted it desperately. Now, having said that, it's such an incredible experience that if you don't want it, it's probably because you can't even believe that it exists. There is, I just can't imagine anyone who wouldn't want that feeling. Okay, Holly says, how do you prevent yourself from giving up right before you're about to go boom? This is a really typical pattern, Holly. People who are at the breaking point are the ones who then finally get the big boom. And there is often just a failure of will at the end. But here's where the magic of the universe comes in. It's a little bit like Tolkien got it right when he has Frodo the Hobbit. If you don't know the story, if you've been living under a rock somewhere, Frodo the Hobbit has to destroy the Ring of Doom by throwing it into the cavern, the volcanic crevice where it was forged. But the ring has power over the person who wears it and it's evil. So the closer he gets to this place he needs to destroy it, the harder the ring fights him to stop him from doing it. And as he stands on the brink of this cliff, after God knows how many pages of walking toward it, he looks down into this crevice and his will breaks and he puts on the ring and it has him. But then another being, Gollum, former hobbit, who's been following the ring this entire time, jumps on him, bites off the finger that has the ring on it. He gets the ring, but he falls into the crevasse and gets burned up along with the ring. And I believe that's a really strong archetypal pattern. But here's the way it works in human psychology. You dig and you dig and you dig and you dig and you can't stand it anymore. And I've been to this place on multiple occasions and you have no more energy to go forward and you cannot find any light at all. And at that point, you actually give up. And so Holly says, prevent yourself from giving up. You can't actually. When the burden gets heavy enough, you break. Something breaks. This happened to me first before my white light experience when I was pregnant with my son and um, had his Down's diagnosis. And I was just so heartbroken. I couldn't see any goodness in it at all. And when I finally gave up, I was 25 at that point, And it was the first time I'd ever stopped clenching the world with my will. I lost all my willpower. And when I did that, what I experienced was a kind of loving angelic presence with me. It wasn't like the boom, but it was something that was like, okay, you're not going to go boom for a while, but you need, you need a little bit of encouragement. But it was the giving up. It was the surrender that I think opened a path for a different type of reality to get through to me. Because otherwise I was just too locked into the way I saw things, the way I thought. So go ahead and give up. That's one of the ways that you can make, you can help the boom happen inside your own brain. 
So Becky says, I also wonder if there are good ways to help those close to us who have a fear-based worldview. I say, just find the light. Dig through your own tunnel till you find the light. Because then you're just standing in the light going, I know you can make it. I know you can make it. And anything else, trying to talk to someone who's in the tunnel and isn't particularly hopeful and saying to them over and over again, you know, you should, you know, there are ways, cheer up, you can fix this. Guys, I've spent my entire career doing that to people. And a lot of them did not enjoy it. Um, the other day, one of my dearest friends said to me, yeah, I'm kind of seeing things the way you told me they were uh, a number of years ago, but you kind of pushed me there. And guess what? You can't push someone there who's not ready for it. And then she felt all bad, but she didn't need to because that's what I've done. I've pushed people. They're not ready. So instead, keep digging your own tunnel, then punch through, stand in the light and say, it's great out here. Keep digging. You're going to love it. That's the best thing you can do. Just be in your own joy. So Jindra says, yes, coming out of meditation, I have had literally what felt like a boom experience, new sh uh, multiple boom experiences, new shift, a radical shift of perspective of the world. How can we help others experience this other than being you telling us? Um, I believe in something I call the team. And that is a group of souls, a group of humans who have shown up at, at this point in the earth's history to foment this very boom. Like we will never set off bombs, but we will set off booms everywhere. Everywhere we can, we will tunnel through the rock, we will punch out into the light, we will find the end of the tunnel. And if enough of us do that, the whole mountain may collapse. Like the whole, that we won't need tunnels anymore. We'll just be out in the light. And I think it may be one of those things where if a critical number, if the world gets to a tipping point where enough folks have gone boom, everybody else is going to have a much easier time making the same journey. That's just, that's something I've believed since I was about, no, I haven't believed it. It's, I've felt it, known it since I was about four years. I remember consciously thinking it for the first time when I was four. So, and now I'm a million years old and I still think so. So anyway, all of y'all keep tunneling, keep, and if you've gone boom, keep tidying because standing out in the light is all you need to do to have the greatest joy imaginable and also without even trying, help the world. I love you, mwah, 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 and I will see you again next week on The Gathering Room. Thank you so, so much for being here. It's a bewildering moment to be alive. That's why Martha Beck, me, and Rowan Mangan, me, created Bewildered, the wildly successful podcast for people trying to figure it out. Most of us are trying to fit society's expectations about how we should live, which is stressful and confusing. On Bewildered, we look at topics like perfectionism, what it means to have enough, anxiety, and creativity to see where the culture may be pushing us all away from the lives that truly fulfill us. If you're bewildered, if you want to think and you love to laugh, come join us. For almost 30 years, I've been teaching people to do something that I call reading your internal compasses. I believe we are all born with direction-finding mechanisms that are inherent in us and will help us find our best destiny. 
Uh, a few years ago, though, I realized that a lot of people were getting very, very anxious. And this is true. Anxiety is going nuts all over the planet. So I spent five years researching and writing a book about how to read your compasses and lower the anxiety that's getting between you and your right life. And I'm very excited about the book. It's coming out in 2025. But I would love to teach you about it before the book comes out. So this summer, I'm doing a course called The Wayfinder's Compass, Moving Beyond Anxiety. And you can check it out by going to marthabeck.com slash compass. And we will have a fabulous time putting you on course for your North Star.